Welcome to the State of Sound podcast, produced by the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. A companion series to the blockbuster exhibit, The State of Sound, a world of music from Illinois. Now playing at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Welcome to the State of Sound podcast. I'm Dave Hoekstra, and our guests today are authors Jonathan Wright and Dawson Barrett, who wrote the book Punks in Peoria, which comes out June 15th on University of Illinois Press. We have Jonathan, who came over from Peoria in the studio. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Dave. Thank you. And Dawson, you're on the phone. Great to be here. And you're, are you, where are you at? You're out west? I'm in Corpus Christi, oh, Texas. Corpus, yeah, okay, okay. Well, thanks a lot. Um, got the book, got through a little bit of it, but talk about um, the impetus for the book, how it all came together. Uh, well, I was completing uh, another book, and uh, I thought that I must have too much time on my hand. So I had seen a call for people to write about punk scenes and started thinking about my own time in punk rock. Uh, and I knew if I was going to do something, I'd have to get Jonathan involved. So I gave John a call and I said, hey, uh, I'd like you to do this project with me. Uh, it's going to be pretty low stakes. It'll be about a 30-page thing. Uh, and then seven years later, we've written an entire book. Uh, and here we are. And you guys know each other from Peoria. So talk about your Peoria roots. Yeah, I went to my first punk rock show when I was 13, so the summer before eighth grade. Uh, and Jonathan was actually the promoter who put that show on. And what show was it? That uh, was, that was, go ahead. Uh, so that was the Jesus lizard, okay. uh, playing at the American Legion hall in Peoria. It was a warm up gig for their, uh, Lollapalooza opening gig in uh, the summer of 1995. And did you guys know each other then or how'd you first meet? We did not. Um, so I, I learned years later that that was Dawson's very first show. Um, I'm a, few years old, older than him. Uh, I lived in Colorado for a while, and uh, I, I don't know exactly when we first uh, met or connected. It might have been when he was on tour with his band, Laura's Agent, and they came through Denver, and uh, we hung out a little bit then. Um, it could have been before that. I'm not sure, actually. And why was it important to do a... Um and in reading the book, I, 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 a lot of stuff I like about the sense of place, but why was it important to do a book about the punk scene in Peoria? Well, uh, it, it's what we knew. Uh, we, we, we grew up in that scene. And, um, you know, as Dawson mentioned, there was a local scene history uh, series that was kind of being pitched, and it was supposed to be just a real short thing. Um, but... As we as we dug into it a little bit more, we you know we started finding all these interesting little tidbits and stories, and we started working our way back to um, you know prior to our time involved in the scene, um, we had a question: Well, what was the first punk rock show in Peoria? We didn't know the answer to that, so we put out kind of a public survey and started gathering information from people and started doing interviews, and you know one thing led to another. And. Um at the end, you talk about, I mean, this could have been maybe Des Moines, could have been Lincoln, Nebraska or something. What did, and talk a little bit about the industry and the economy of Peoria and what made Peoria different than some of these other mid-sized Midwest Rust Belt towns. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, Peoria, in, in a lot of ways, it's very, very much like a lot of, a lot of those towns. And then, you know, it has its own quirks as well. 
Um, but, you know, uh, Peoria was up until a, a few years ago was the home of Caterpillar headquarters. Sure. And so that was, you know, it was a Caterpillar town, lived and breathed Caterpillar. Um, in the early 80s, there were a number of different strikes involved. Uh, the Paps uh, uh, Brewing uh, Company uh, went under, uh, or at least their bottling factory in Peoria Heights. Um, and, you know, we had, uh, uh, I think unemployment was upwards of 20 percent. Uh, there was a famous saying at that time in Peoria, uh, would the last person in Peoria please turn out the lights? Um, and, you know, it was a pretty bleak time period. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the strike cat went into the 90s as well. Um, and, and the whole, the whole uh, 80s and 90s, were, we were really watching the slow motion decline of American manufacturing and that kind of rust belt uh, mentality. And so that was kind of the, uh, the setting um, that we all inherited as kids. Um, and we didn't, you know, we didn't know anything else. Um, but so in, in a lot of ways, it was like the same story of a lot of, uh, other, uh, Midwestern towns. Um, and yeah. Dawson. Yeah. And I mean, I would add that, uh, part of what I think makes the book exciting is that Peoria isn't unique. Uh, you know, and I say that as someone who loves, you know, that they're from Peoria, but that, yeah, we say it could easily be the story of, of Rockford or Beloit or, you know, any number of kind of mid-sized cities. Uh, you know, you, you expect a, a music scene or an art scene in Los Angeles to be vibrant or New York or Chicago. Uh, but, you know, in a place like Peoria, you know, kids really had to create it from the ground up. You know, it's very much a, a grassroots uh, arts community. And in this case, it was punk rock. You know, they had to book the shows themselves, which I think is, is a rare thing. Uh, but they ended up being, you know, hundreds of kids showing up from all these surrounding high schools. And I think that uh, that did happen in places like Rockford or Des Moines. Uh, and I think it is sort of an untold story. True, true. You talk in the book, like Peoria never really had a, a punk venue, which led to a lot of these DIY efforts. Um I mean, you just mentioned American Legion halls. I, I was saying before we started, um, I'd like to tell, tell me about crazies and I mean, the, the, the club crazies and its roots. Right. Uh, I'll take this one. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in, uh, the, the town of Bartonville, which is just a couple miles, uh, right on the outskirts of Peoria. Um, there was the, uh, uh, um, the Peoria state hospital. Uh, it was a, uh, actually when, when it was erected in the early 1900s, it was one of the, um, premier, uh, mental, uh, illness facilities in the entire country. And they were very actually, progressive. Uh, you say in the book, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were actually known for that. Yeah. And, um, o over time, uh, it kind of, uh, uh, fell to, uh, you know, dilapidation. And, um, I believe it closed in around 1970, um, and so then when, as we were growing up, it was known to all of us as the insane asylum. And it was actually a, a whole complex of buildings, but there was one giant building made out of limestone that, that literally looks like a haunted house. And so as a kid in high school, um, a rite of passage for us was to sneak into the insane asylum. And there's also a whole network of tunnels underneath um, that would take you from one building to the next. So uh, we would walk through these tunnels in the middle of the night and dodging cops and, you know, broken glass. And there were literally old gurneys and, and hospital beds and equipment that was still there. Um, and this was when I was, a, you know, when I was a kid, this would have been the early nineties. Uh, so one of the exterior buildings, uh, so the city of Bartonville had been trying to um, adapt 
this complex and, and reuse some of it as an industrial park. And there was one building that was the activity center slash gymnasium for the, um, the mental institution. And uh, for, uh, I think it lasted about five or six shows, maybe for four months or so, um, uh, we were able to rent that space out and, and throw punk rock shows there. Wasn't that, and how many people would come? Uh, so that was a, there would probably be, you know, at that time, maybe a couple hundred, a couple hundred kids. At and who would show. play there? Uh, the, I mostly, mean, bands, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know who yeah, they are, but. Mostly local acts for the, for the most part. There was a, a big ska show there. That was it some, really? Had some yeah. touring uh, bands. Um, but that was a very, as a lot of the venues were, very short-lived. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we, we had a few shows there, and then for one reason or another, you would have to uh, find a new place uh, to do shows. So, Dawson, yeah, the DIY thing was was a big part of the ethic there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you learn... Uh, kind of these entrepreneurial skills doing that and you kind of build community because one person can't put on a show, you know, you need your friends to come, you know, break down the folding tables and then clean up afterward and take money at the door and be security and, and all of these things. I mean, it, it really is a sort of an elaborate community project. Um, Dawson, last time I talked to you, um, we were talking about teenage rebels, a successful high school activist from, uh, Little Rock Nine to the class of tomorrow. What they came out in 2015. Yes. And um, were there lessons or were there stories from that that you you either were able to apply into this book? You know, did they feed off each other, or are they just two separate ideas? Uh, I mean, I think they're similar. I, I think that you know, punk rock isn't always explicitly a protest, um, but I mean, I think there are a lot of parallels. So that was a book about of how high schoolers have protested throughout U.S. history, you know, organizing walkouts and things of that nature. And I think similarly in this case, it is young people, you know, trying to change the world around them, you know, in some small way uh, and, and having to do it themselves. You know, they don't inherit this infrastructure, whether it is a political infrastructure that includes them or in this case, you know, they didn't have a place to go to see music, so they had to make it happen. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, I do think that they're pretty closely related. Where were you born, Dawson? What's that? Where? You, what's your hometown? Where were you born? <laughs> uh, I was born in Kitsikan, Alaska. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Then what, but, what? Yeah. I, uh, not me. It wasn't my choice. Uh, <laughs> then what? Yeah, how, I went where the parents went, but uh, I lived in Peoria area from uh, second grade through freshman year of college. Okay. And what did your folks do? Uh, my father was a physician, and um, my mother is an attorney. And then where where'd you go after you left Peoria? What's uh, I moved out to Portland, Oregon. That's right. Uh, went went to college out there, played in bands, and toured all over all over the world. Jonathan, same questions for you. Where? Were, yeah, I was born in Aurora, Illinois. Oh, really? Yeah, I uh, went to high school in Naperville. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, lived in, in the Peoria area most of my life. Had a stint in Minnesota. Uh, went to Bradley University in Peoria, and then I uh, moved out to Denver, Colorado. And th- that's kind of interesting because I moved out there with like fourteen other people. Uh, it was kind of a caravan, and it was uh, surrounding a band called Planes Mistaken for Stars. 
um, uh, who had actually gone on to achieve, you know, international acclaim. Um, but we all, they were all our closest friends and we all just kind of moved out there en masse. And, uh, and that was our big, uh, golden ticket out of Peoria. And then you came back in 2005? I came back in 2005. Yeah. Why'd you come back? Uh, well, um, you know, the, uh, uh, cost of housing out in Colorado was kind of going through the roof. Uh, my family was back here in Peoria and, um, and just uh, needed a new, a new change. And how did the town changed? Well, it's, you know, it's not really, I wasn't as engaged uh, when I was, you know, here as a high school student and a college student. So um, I, I I, I don't really know how has it changed. Um, you know, it was still a caterpillar town when I moved back. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of blanking on this. Yeah. One. So Dawson, <laughs> when was the last time you visited Peoria? Uh, it's been a couple of years, but uh, I went to grad school in Milwaukee. So I was in Peoria pretty, pretty often during those years. I'm just, same question. I'm just kind of wondering what your vision of the, of the city was as you got yeah. older, as you, you know, I mean, I think some things have changed. I think it is a, a bit more of an exciting city. I think there's more going on. There's more of a, a downtown life. Uh, but, you know, one thing I would say, too, is that I've changed. You know, uh, one of the people we talked to in the book, this guy named Garrett O'Donnell, who's in that band playing some sticking for stars, you know, he talked about how he's so proud that he's from Peoria, but that it was a hard place to be, you know, an 18-year-old. And so, you know, what you need as a teenager you know, maybe you move away and go see a bigger city. Uh, but, you know, that's not necessarily what you need at 35 or 40. True. Um, now, the book comes out on June 15th again. Uh, actually, let's plug, is there going to be a website? How can people find out more information on the book? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, a website, punksinpeoria.com. Um, it, it goes to our link tree, which has a bunch of links to our social media, to a blog, to uh, various articles that we've written that have, that are starting to be published in different publications out there. So, so um, I'm kind of old school, but are there bookstores? Are there record stores? Tell the listeners where they can heavily actually have a physical contact with the book and maybe meet you guys or you know do stuff like that. And how has that changed over the years? I know zines were a big part of the, the punk scene and stuff. So talk about personal content right well i mean obviously the last year has been pretty yeah. pretty difficult with that um we are working closely with a bookstore in peoria called lit on fire used uh, lit on fire books which is a fa- fantastic uh um small bookstore and uh, uh r- run by a single person and and uh, she does an amazing job there um and i know that the book will be available at various uh, you know bookstores record stores uh, different places around illinois um it, it'll be readily available and we're still booking some different gigs uh uh release party type things um around so uh, we'll we'll be doing some stuff in bloomington normal uh, in peoria probably something in chicago so what's the best indie record store in peoria Best indie record store in Peoria. Um, well, I would say probably uh, there's there's a Ribbon Records uh, is, is one, and there's Younger Than Yesterday is another. I've been there. Um, I think yeah, yeah. those are the two uh, main record stores there. Um, and then in Bloomington Normal, there's three pretty great record stores uh, as well. So and then also Acme Comics, I should mention in Peoria. Um, the guy there uh, actually uh, the owner played plays a role uh, in the book. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. Uh, Dawson, tell the listeners what you're doing now. 
Uh, I am a history professor uh, at a community college in South Texas. So what I'm really doing right now is creating final exams. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> so um, I don't know how to ask this question, for, what to put first, but I, I, I'll do this. Um, talk about what both of you guys, what the punk ethic is, and if you put that, if you put that into play into what you're doing now in your life. Yeah, I can do this one. Okay. Well, you know, again, a lot of what DIY or do-it-yourself punk is, you, know, uh, you can do it. You don't have to wait for someone else to do it. There's a community. Uh, there's also a really strong egalitarian ethic within punk rock. So uh, you might not go see a band up on a big stage. They are on the floor next to you, and you, you know, get their sweat on you. Uh, you're all on the same team kind of thing. Uh, and you know, that, I definitely apply that to my teaching that, you know, I don't stand up in front of a classroom on a pedestal that like we are working together toward a common goal of learning. Well, that's good. That's good. Same question, especially what you do with Peoria magazines and stuff. I've read about your background. John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been with Peoria magazines for 15 years and we, uh, cover, um, you know, the local um, business arts, uh, community, it's a city regional publication. And, um, so that's been going strong for a while. Um, uh, you know, as far as the DIY, uh, I would, uh, you know, Dawson summed it up pretty nicely. Um, you know, for me, uh, uh, the Washington DC band Fugazi, um, mm -hmm. who I brought to Peoria back in 1996, um, is kind of the, um, you know, the miles mile marker for, uh, the DIY ethic. Um, uh, they were, you know, renowned for, um, you know, playing $5 shows for, for playing unusual venues and for, um, just their, um, their ethic. Um, and so, you know, they were, uh, phenomenal, when they came through, lived up to all our expectations. And yeah, that's in the book. That played a yeah. pretty big role in the book as well. Cause yeah. it's, it's essentially the largest DIY punk show that, you know, that Peoria had ever seen. Break that yeah. down. How did that happen? It's and, funny. Uh, and when you guys did this, uh, sorry to cut, I mean, what was, you know, everybody knows about, will it play in Peoria and last one? So what, as you talk about this, what were artists' perceptions of Peoria before they got there? But, yeah, you know, talk about breaking that down. Right. Well, w w w in Fugazi's case, every time they came through central Illinois, there were problems. Uh, <laughs> there, there would be fights in the crowd. They would have to stop the show. This happened uh, not only in Peoria, but it also happened in Bloomington Normal. It happened in Champaign. Uh, so for whatever reason... Um, they had all, so that's really what they knew about Peoria. Um, in the, at the Peoria show, there were several, uh, kind of, you know, macho, um, you know, we call them Nazi punks. I don't think they were actually Nazis, but, um, you know, they were there to cause trouble and, uh, they did. And, um, you know, uh, Ian and Fugazi actually had the entire crowd sit down, um, to kind of weed out the troublemakers. And this is kind of a legendary moment, um, uh, in, in, Peoria history. It's uh, not necessarily a, a great thing, um, mm -hmm. but it was uh, chosen as one of uh, when Fugazi started issuing their live series of CDs. It was one of the first uh, batch of shows that they put out there. Um, so it, it was it was interesting to go back to the Crazies venue. Um, the the main guy who was booking shows there uh, was kind of like my rival at the time. We were both booking shows at the same time, and both of us were trying to book Fugazi at the same time. Oh, really? And I ended up. Uh, you know, getting them here. Um, and I talked to Brian, this is the other guy later. And the reason they went with me was because it seemed like a, a less commercial, uh, type of venture, which is hilarious because, um, you know, the other guy was basically the same as me. 
so uh, it, it was a monumental moment. And, um, you know, I had a birthday party a few years ago, and I was introduced as the man who brought Fugazi to Peoria. So <laughs> you know, that was kind of, you know, my life peaked when I was 19, essentially, in, in, in that regard. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so how was we were talking before you guys got here uh, we started the show how was punk evolve we have uh the waco brothers in here from chicago who kind of you know mix a little bit of a punk thing with a with a hard country thing and this is a, i don't know the answer to this question so tell the listeners how what the punk scene is like today if you were doing this today well, I think the thing about Peoria especially was that, you know, there was never any, um, there was never enough of any one kind of subgenre, you know, so there would not be all metal shows, there would not be all ska shows, you know, all of these different bands, indie rock, punk, metal, ska, they would all play together because um, there was not any enough of any one to sustain their own scene. So that was kind of one of the hallmarks um, of Peoria, I think, was, was that. What about, this is a question that you bring up in the book, and I, you know, I think people realize it, and Dawson, both of you guys, what about Peoria's location? A is a halfway between uh, St. Louis and Chicago, and also, you know, the feeling that maybe you're in the shadow of everything going on in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a, a lyric from a punk band from Peoria that describes it as being three hours from everywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, three hours from Chicago, St. Louis, Indianapolis. Uh, and, you know, historically it has been the place where, you know, maybe you'd get a warm up gig or, you know, a baseball player would spend a week rehabbing in the minor leagues in Peoria. Uh, so, I mean, I think it definitely had that reputation. And, and I think we did find that a lot of cultural things came through Peoria. You know, this is pre-internet, of course, but, you know, we might get it a year late or a few years late. Uh, you know, you'd have to wait for it to trickle word of mouth. Uh, and, you know, and I think that does give you kind of a chip on your shoulder, you know, the, the sort of derogatory, like flyover country kind of comments. Um, but, you know, people would come through Peoria, bands would come in and they would expect it to be really boring and tame. And they would frequently comment about how wild the kids would go. You know, they'd just be jumping off the wall. Um, so I think that's something to be proud of. You know, as I, as I read the bits and pieces of books, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the punk tours and the bands it kind of reminds me a little about country music like i'd go see merle haggard in taylorville illinois you know these guys would play anywhere you know and they played played had very loyal like those the very loyal fans and stuff there was a place in taylorville called nashville north i think i drove down there to see haggard and i think it's kind of true with the, with the, with a punk circuit right i mean they'll they'll go anywhere yeah yeah definitely uh i mean it, we would they, they would play anywhere that would have us basically. yeah right yeah. yeah so um you know uh in peoria we didn't have an, an official venue so you know there would be record stores there would be your legion halls and various different clubs um you know there was an ice skating rink that had a side room that people rented occasionally there was the uh crazies as we talked about yeah. um you know, there's a there's a guy that booked a show at a laundromat. Yeah, right. um, I mean, you know, just uh, and I know I'm missing some, but just uh, that idea of of trying to trying to figure this out. Well, I, I know another. Uh, uh, you know, the Fireside Bowl is huge in Chicago. Chicago, right? Yeah, we yeah. had a guy who came, who you know saw a Peoria band play up there, and he's like, "We've got bowling alleys." So he went around to every bowling alley in the Peoria area, and he finally found one who allowed him to have shows there. Oh, and and wow. again, that lasted for three or four shows, and then you know I don't know why, but uh, you know that was done. So onward with the, uh, a search for another venue. 
Um, I've done a few books. Um, I'm just curious, not to be wonky about it, but how'd you break up the writing? Maybe I should do more books with other people. <laughs> but how'd you break up the writing? Like, who did what? And I, I like the way you set up the book, um, where you talk about, I think the listeners would like to know this, about the history of music in Peoria, like talk about the kinks coming to Peoria and the who coming to Peoria. I think that's a great way to set it up and then the way you move into the punk scene. But how'd you guys delegate responsibility? When we started this, we didn't know where it would begin and we didn't know where it would end. So, uh, and, and our time overlapped in the scene, but then we also, you know, I started before him and he was there after me. So he started what he, with what he knew and he moved towards the future. And I started with what I knew and I moved towards the past. Really? And, you know, I, we had a public survey out there, which gave us a lot of leads. We started tracking people down and, um, you know, started to try to find what that, what that story is and, and how can we uh, create this thread um, that because essentially no one knows the entire history of, of the punk scene in Peoria. Yeah, right. um, you know, a generation, quote unquote, in the punk scene is like two years tops sure. <laughs> for, most, for most people. So you, a lot of times people don't even know what was here two years before, three years before. So we had to kind of stitch all that together and find threads that would actually make the reading interesting uh, for someone who doesn't know the band names and doesn't know all of that. So... Dawson, what was the process? I mean, did you guys uh, send manuscripts back and forth? I mean, you were doing this pre-pandemic, but I mean, were there Zoom things? I mean, just how, how did uh, A little bit. I mean, mostly we, we sort of divvied up some topics and got to do those on our own and then swap. And then, you know, again, as John said, we kind of just kept falling into new new material that we needed to dig deeper into. You know, and we, we worked on it, again, this is uh, year seven. Uh, and it's been really wonderful actually having a writing partner. I had never written with anyone else before, but you know, there were so many times when our lives got in the way, you know, cause this is really a hobby for us. So, you know, when uh, work got heavy or, you know, I, I had a, a child, uh, you know, we could, we could trade off and someone else could take the lead for a while. Uh, and it's, it's been really, really exciting. There's a comment in the book where you uh, visit the past, but glad you're not living in it. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, why, you, you talk know, about that, right? Uh, I think there's a danger in in uh, um, romanticizing your past. There's a danger in in uh, you know succumbing to nostalgia. Um, you know, we 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 both have uh, you know we both have professional jobs. Right. Uh, we have responsibilities as adults. We have um, a lot of interests and projects that we work on outside of that. And um, I just think it's important that, uh, you know, you remain rooted in your present. So it, it, it's great to talk about the past. We love it. Um, we had a great time with this. Um, but also, you know, we're, we're, we're glad to be where we're at. Same question, Dawson. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in just in thinking about the subject matter, you know, we're pretty friendly and warm to the people we write about. Uh, we're not uncritical. I think that's important, uh -huh. but I think we were also very aware that, you know, for the most part, we're, we're writing about 16 year olds. And so, you know, you have to expect that they're going to make mistakes in the things that they say and, they, and do, uh, and some of their ideas not, might not be great. Uh, and so, you know, as fun as it was to explore this history and really think about what, no, not just what we were doing as teenagers, but that, 
teenagers had been doing for, you know, three decades in the Peoria area. Uh, I think it's also good to remind yourself that you don't actually want to be 16 anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have that, I have that problem. <laughs> um, there's a couple bullet point things I want to bring out in the book uh, that I think listeners uh, would enjoy. And um, I knew a little bit about this, but you talk about the Golden uh, Voice Recording Company. Yeah, so uh, there's we, a, we were saying somebody did the documentary on them. Did you know that? Yes, we were talking about yes. that earlier today. In fact, uh, you know, there's a companion LP to the Punks and Peoria book, and the uh, the owner of that record label is from a town called Pekin, which is where yeah. Golden Voices is, is located. So I believe he had a major hand in putting that documentary together. Um, and on the same label, Alone is Dream Records, uh, he has reissued a lot of the Golden Voice recordings. So. Um, the studio started, it was on the south end of Pekin, which is about 10 miles outside of Peoria. Um, the studio started in the early 60s, and it was, at the time, the finest studio basically outside of Chicago in the entire, in, in the entire state. And so we had bands coming from all over the state uh, to record there. And that lasted um, until, I believe it was 1978, when the place burned to the ground. Um, uh, but, you know, during that time, you had... Uh, Let's see, um, you know, like your Dan Fogelberg's uh, mm. Head East, did, um, different... Uh, one of the REO guys did something. REO, like that, right? yeah. yep. All, all of your major kind of, you know, uh, 70s rock bands um, from around here, a lot of them, you know, recorded there. Uh, Andy Wallace, who I believe mixed Nirvana's Nevermind, he, he got his start there as well. Um, and so he, um, so there's kind of a thread there. Uh, there was a big exhibit at the Peoria Riverfront Museum related to Golden Voice uh, not too long ago. So there, there's, there's a lot there. And um, those early 45s, they sell for hundreds of dollars on Discogs and wow. whatnot. You know, when we were putting this uh, exhibit together, um, and we, I touched this at the very beginning of our conversation about sense of place, but um, one time I was at uh, the producer, Jim Dick, he's passed away, but he produced Bob Dylan and this, sons are in north mississippi all-stars and um i was in his little trailer compound in north mississippi and he we were just talking about how memphis is such a cornerstone of american rock and roll because of the mississippi river and the humidity and the stuff that comes out of the water and you can say the same thing about new orleans but just the humidity and the water and sense of play and even as i was putting you know helping write this stuff here at the state of sound at the lincoln museum and I don't know if I was r romanticizing it, like my mom's side of the family was from Taylorville, but just like the open fields and, and I know the industry and stuff, but talk about the environment and the air and how that influences art in, in your guys' neck of the woods. Well, or am I just being, uh, you know, off on a weird tangent? No, I think, I think uh, you know, all of us, uh, you know, grew up in the cornfields. Yeah, right. You know, basically. Um, with Peoria, we're lucky that, it, you know, Peoria is right on the Illinois River. So we actually right. have, you know, it's a river city and, and there's a little bit more um, uh, to that uh, than just the cornfield. Yeah, We've sure. got a little downtown and, and whatnot. You got big owls. Is that still there? Uh, it, <laughs> it is still there. I don't know if it's even open because yeah. of COVID, but yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I think that the the cornfield, uh, you know, really shaped the mentality um, of of people. Just kind of those those long drives and and just kind of the monotonous uh, 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 landscape. You know, how did it influence? I, I'm not really sure how how it did. But. Dawson. Well, <laughs> I mean, like much of the Midwest, you know, there are really hot, humid summers sure. and really cold, dry winters. And much of the year, 
weather-wise, pretty miserable. Um, but then, you know, I, I mean, again, to get back to that sort of like Peoria is like a lot of other places, you know, that's also Peoria's like proud reputation that sort of will at play in Peoria. You know, we are the standard bearer of being cautious and conservative, you know, and I, and I think that's really, uh, can be great for people if that's what they want. And I think if they don't fit into that mold, it can be really stifling. And so, you know, to me, sort of thinking about it as a historical project, you know, this, this punk rock story is really interesting because, you know, Peoria, of course, didn't have a punk rock venue, but what did it have? Well, it had strip malls and American Legion halls and, you know, closed down, uh, social services like the, uh, asylum, uh, you know, and it had those things in droves, you know? And so, uh, you know, a lot of the places that, that punks ended up playing were sort of this bygone era of like the, you know, forties and fifties, these world war two vets who came home and worked at cat and were in unions. And, uh, you know, that was where they had their socializes in these banquet halls. Uh, and as they died out and the factory life changed a lot and Peoria changed a lot, you know, that's what was left over. So that's what kind of young people inherited. We were talking earlier about change. You say here in the book, um, about you're getting a little bit into politics. This is on page uh, one night. It's dark in the studio, Dawson, so I'm having a hard time seeing it. But you, you, talk about, you talk about but the world around them was anything but neutral. By one estimate, in 2019, the city had the most racially segregated public school system in the entire country. Um, I'm not that familiar with the punk scene in Peoria. I mean, was it always white? Is it, what is it like now? Is it, is it more people of color involved in it? You know, talk about that comment in the book. Well, we've, we've been out of the scene yeah. for quite a while, uh, for, for the most part. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it was, it was a visibly white scene. Um, uh, not by choice, but that was by circumstance and just how it happened. Um, you know, Peoria has a lot of problems. That's true. Um, the the segregation is a big deal, um, and you know there's the you know kind of white flight bedroom community um, type of thing happening there, and that's been happening for forty years now. Um, I think in you know it, in many ways Peoria is a microcosm of of the United States and many other places um, you know that were similar. Um, what we wanted to do, kind of in that conclusion, was just to um, you know express. That we that we know that that this was not the most diverse scene. That there was uh, there was an underlying current of um, uh, not there there were underlying currents of of sexism and and um, of of racism. You know, uh, you know there were you know there were also punks who fought Nazis. I mean, literally sure. literally yeah, right. Nazis yeah. as well. Um, and that was a big theme for most of the 90s. Is you, you never knew when you went to a show if, if um, there were going to be fights, if the Nazi punks were going to show up and start trouble. I got it, I've gotten into several fights just as a promoter. Um, so, Wow. Wow. Uh, two more, and then I'm going to ask you to pick some songs. And Boy, we're going on and on, but this is great stuff. I just hope, you know, I just hope there's a great point of discovery for people like me who don't know that much about the scene. Well, that's one thing. The Jets, that's, nothing, that's something I knew nothing about. So 
I don't I don't want to be wonky, but who were the Jets? And yeah, I was yeah. interested by you guys talking about them. Well, the the Jets uh, um, first formed in the early '70s, and they were kind of a power pop, uh, you know, very Beatles influenced yeah. band. And um, you know, they came out of that garage rock scene where you know, I mean, there were there were dozens and dozens of bands um, starting up in literally starting in garages, um, and inspired by the Beatles and and that. And um, they actually, I mean, they drew you know, hundreds and hundreds of people to some of these shows. There was a radio guy who latched on to one of their songs and started playing it on the local station, and, and they had huge shows. And then um, there was a, a bit of an artistic uh, split, and uh, one of the me- band members got obsessed with David, David Bowie. Yeah, right. and so uh, he, he, he went wanted, up to Chicago, right? He did. Yeah. He did. He <laughs> yeah, went up to Chicago. He dyed his hair. Yeah. He uh, he shaved off his eyebrows, which Bowie famously had yeah. done. And um, and so he took half of the band, and they became the Jets, but with a Z right. instead of an S. So that was basically the Peoria's Peoria's first glam band. Um, the Jets with an S later reformed at the end of the '70s, and they put out a 45 on Twin Tone Records. Twin Tone, yeah, in Minneapolis. And, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. And you, know, you can find that on Discogs. And uh, they had a, a few comp tracks. They opened up for the Ramones, and um, you know, there's it, it was a tangential. They weren't a punk band, but it was kind of proto-punk for for the Peoria scene. Wow! Wow! And then here's something I do know a little bit about Tortoise and Douglas McCombs. Talk about yeah. talk about that. I think people might know Tortoise. Right. Well, I booked Tortoise in Peoria. It was Tortoise, the Sea and Cake, and Five Style. They played at a little auditorium at Bradley University in 1996. Um, it was, you know, uh, right as they were really becoming big. And at the time, I didn't even know that Doug McCombs was from Peoria. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, a, you know, another, another show that we booked. And um, I found that out later. And so we ended up uh, hooking up with Doug and talking to him a little bit for the book and how he kind of... Uh, grew up in Peoria and Pekin and, and, um, one of the recurring themes of the book is getting out of Peoria. (laughs) And so he left for Chicago and, um, you know, start, he was in the early punk scene in Chicago and then he joined 11th dream day and, um, you know, has been an integral Chicago guy ever since. You guys both in bands, right? You've been in bands, right? Right. Dawson, you just mentioned that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. How did, how did that inform this? Easy. Since you played? We've yeah, all, I mean, go, go ahead, John. Well, I was just going to say we've all slept on floors. Yeah, right. We've slept in the van. Yeah. We've, you know, we've played shows to three people. Um, so I think that we, we kind of know, uh, we know what we're talking about in that sense. Um, You're hitting on something, too, that you probably have, um, and maybe this is just something you grew up with, but you have empathy for that, too. By having gone gone through it, yeah, absolutely. Empathy. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, you're you're trying to build something um, unique and different through your art, and um, and it's often something that uh, the mainstream society doesn't recognize right away. Mm-hmm. Maybe the yeah. Way- and, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, you know, you know, I've played good shows. I've played terrible shows. I've put on bad shows. You know, I've <laughs> I've put out money and like invited people to a show and had no one, no one show up, uh, you know, and I screened my own shirts and I put out my own records and all these kinds of things. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think that we are coming from a place where we kind of have seen the, the spectrum of, of what it can look like when it works and when it doesn't. Uh, so, you know, that wasn't new to us. Punks in Peoria, making a scene in the American heartland. 
by Jonathan Wright and Dawson Barrett. Um, what did you guys learn that maybe you didn't know before as you worked on this together? Was there uh, something you didn't know that was like an aha moment that you learned from each other or learned from your research? Uh, all kinds of things. So many, so many different stories. Uh, you know, I never knew James Brown had played in Peoria. Oh, we were going to talk about it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, it, uh, the MC5 played yeah. in Peoria. I never knew that. Um, it, we, did, we never knew how any of these stories interconnected. We didn't know what the first punk show in Peoria was. We, we had no idea what happened in the 80s. Uh, you know, my first show was in 1993. Um, I didn't know what happened in 1992. Um, oh, wow. And then I left in 99. So I, I was not here in the early 2000s when there was an, a, a huge scene going on as well. So um, we learned a lot. And there were all kinds of stories along the way that, that we had to um, kind of chuck because there just wasn't room in the book for them. Sure. It was a little out of scope. But, you know, um, uh, the satanic panic comes to mind, um, you know, in the in the 80s when everybody thought that um, that there were these, you know, uh, devil worshiping cults everywhere. Um, and we, we ended up it was kind of tangential to the book. It ended up not making it really. But um, all kinds of, you know, when you start digging into the uh, local newspaper archives and you start talking to people and, and one thing leads to another and they lead you to that person, um, you know, so many stories. Um, I think we interviewed um, 80, 80 to 85 people at length, um, and each of those uh, interviews needs to be, you know, transcribed and, and incorporated into a bigger picture. So, um, yeah, there was a, there were a lot of, uh, it, we've got material for all kinds of, of other things, but. In a way, it's a DIY. It's, it sails with the spirit of a DIY thing, even as, even through uh, the University of Illinois Press. You know what I mean? You feel that energy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of the intention. I yeah. think. Okay, I'm trying to stay in order here, but I did forget about um, Mr. Gibson, Wild Child, Byron Gibson. So talk about him. He was a so Peoria had a pretty big blues scene, yeah. Um, and and uh, it was you know that was kind of a it was a meat and potatoes town, and we had a big blues scene, and a lot of the a lot of the uh, classic blues guys came through town and played. And um, Wild Child was uh, he he played in Peoria. Um, I think he started moved there maybe in the early '60s. Uh, you know, Richard Pryor was getting his yeah. start on the stage, um, and and Wild Child. I believe worked at Caterpillar. Um, I know, like Luther Allison. Right. Uh, you know, right. he w he worked at Caterpillar and Keystone during the Luther day Allison blues played. guy came yep. up to Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then several guys uh, in Peoria were like sidemen for Coco Taylor, and um, so you know, there's a rich rich blues scene there. Um, and and Wild Child, uh, uh, you know, he played throughout the '60s and '70s, and I think into the '80s. I was never unfortunately able to see him myself, but. Um, there, there, there are all kinds of, of, uh, books that could come out of just the first chapter of this book alone. We really c compressed a lot of detail into, into that history there. It's a job well done, you guys. Um, give again, uh, a second time around, but how people can find it. It's going to be out June 15th. Yeah, if you go to punksinpeoria.com, um, th there'll be uh, links to the University of Illinois Press. There's, um, you know, uh, find it at your local bookstore. Yeah, right. If, if you're, um, you know, near Peoria or Central Illinois, there's there's certainly a book. All those bookstores are going to have it, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully out and around as well. You know, you'll be able to order it at Barnes and Noble and and whatnot. So, 
Can you, um, and this is for me too, I mean, can you give me a couple songs that we, we might throw in into this interview? We can only play snippets, but like maybe cornerstone songs of, of, of the movement and what your book is about so people can find those. Yeah, uh, we, we did put together a record, uh, a kind of a soundtrack of sorts to go along with this. Um, oh, really? I didn't and know that. Yeah. When's that coming? Is that uh, out? It'll be out the same day. It'll be oh. out June 15th. It might even come out a little bit earlier, actually. But um, And uh, so... It, 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 you can't represent 30 years of time on one record, yeah. but, you know, we did the best we could to try to uh, represent what we could. Um, you know, there's a band called Dollface, which you mentioned Scott Legan yes. uh, before the show earlier, um, and, and he was in Dollface. He was the drummer, and uh, there's a song called Deep, uh, which is on the record that you can find on Bandcamp, and um, I would suggest that as, as one. Um, you know, Bloody Mess and the Scabs, uh, a song called Empty, uh, is kind of an, another... Um, what kind of music is that? Uh, that's just uh, total uh, punk rock. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was kind of the... Uh, there was the yin and yang of the Peoria scene, and he was kind of the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, there, there's several other songs on the band camp that are great. Um, I would, I would point people to the dismiss song, which is, uh, Garrett from planes mistaken for stars, his band prior to, uh, planes. Um, but all, you know, the, all the songs are, um, have some merit to them. Um, and, and it's, a, it's a very diverse, uh, musically diverse, um, compilation. Dawson, any ads? Uh, those would be the big ones. I mean, that's, that's sort of what we put together so that, as you're reading it, you can kind of check out what's on that record and uh, get a feel for those bands. Um, I would also plug Planes Mistaken for Stars. They're my favorite band out of Peoria. Uh, they have a song called Copper and Stars that's sort of a, an anthem for the late 90s, early 2000s. That was our anthem for moving to Colorado. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing, what are, you, what are you guys working on now? Dawson, what are you doing? Will I be talking to you another couple of years for another book? I don't know if I am going to write anything ever again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, wait, books are hard. Everybody goes, well, when's your next yeah. book? Books are really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think I'm just going to take some time to sort of digest. You know, you'd ask, like, uh, you know, what was surprising about this book. And, you know, for me, it was discovering all these places that I'd been to had been punk venues. And I, I didn't know that, of course. Like, you know, John mentioned the skating rink that had punk shows, you know, basically when I was two and three years old. Well, I didn't know that, but I did go ice skating there when I was in second and third grade. Uh, and so, you know, I think one thing that's really exciting about this book is that, you know, you can drive around Peoria and, and you'll pass a dozen places that used to be punk venues. And I think that's true of any town and city in this country uh, without knowing it, that you're surrounded by where the punks once met. Uh -huh. Very good. There's a kind yeah. of undercover history there. And uh, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, uh, we present the book in, you know, we, we weave all of these threads together. Um, but, you know, not everybody liked everybody else, you know, um, you know, we, we presented as, as a kind of a, you know, somewhat of a unified scene. Um, but that, that wasn't always the case. You know, there were your petty squabbles, there were, you know, all of these things, but, um, but what we tried to, um, reach toward was kind of a higher ideal than that. And that's, what we tried to tie that together, which is the whole concept of making something out of nothing. So you're going to do another book? 
you know, I'm not sure. I've got a pretty uh, uh, busy day job, and um, I am. I know I'm not going to anytime soon. I will be um, taking a little bit of a break. Uh, we're gonna. We've got stuff to do all this summer, and um, we've got a, a outdoor concert we're going to be doing in September. Some of the bands uh, from the book are going to be getting back together. Oh, really? And yeah. Different things. So we're kind of uh, working on that now. Um, uh, I am working on a project with my wife on actually, uh, on on uh, we're we're working with a local artist in Peoria uh, on his memoirs. Um, so, so that that is happening. Um, um, when you when you go around and 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 um, for Peoria magazines. And you you have several magazines, right? Is it one the business magazine? Yeah, yeah. We uh, the the titles have changed over the years, but yeah. Well, where I'm going with that is like, do people know your background as a punk promoter and stuff? <laughs> like, you make a call to somebody. And go, oh yeah, you did yeah. that show. <laughs> but that it's pretty funny because um, a, a lot of a lot of yeah. times uh, uh, more and more people are learning that. But when I first started <laughs> with the magazine, I kept my business life very separate from my personal life. Um, and one of our earlier incarnations uh, was a business publication, and so I was not so prone to um, explain my history in the punk rock scene um, when I'm, you know, the editor of this business magazine. Um, but over time, I have kind of loosened up on all of that and like, <laughs> okay, you know, um, this is who I am, and and I think it's uh, and it it's been great. Um, so I'll get people that know me from my day job and they're like i never knew that you did all this other stuff i'm like yeah, yeah. uh you know uh what, what was whitman's quote you contain multitudes <laughs> yeah yeah bob dylan stole that yeah right <laughs> hey thanks you guys wow we did like an hour is that right it's three o'clock here that just zipped on by. That, <laughs> dawson you're the best thanks so much dave okay so that's dawson barrett and jonathan wright and the book's Punk Superiority. You can find it. And thank you for joining us on the State of Sound podcast. This has been the State of Sound podcast produced by the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. To hear other episodes and more information about the exhibit, The State of Sound, a world of music from Illinois, visit musicfromillinois.com.